Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And as I look around, I just reflect on the goodness of God, and I'm just so grateful for all of you that, uh, that you are here today. If, you're any, uh, if we have any guests, we want to welcome you here today. Maybe uh, this is your first time with us, or maybe you've been coming a couple of times. I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet taken the opportunity, whether it's your first time or whether you've been coming, to fill out one of these connection cards. They're in the pew back in front. I encourage you to take it out and uh, just fill out the information that's on there. We'd love to have the opportunity to be able to connect with you. And, uh, and to be able to connect you to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a church, if you don't have a church you regularly attend, uh, we'd love to be able to connect you with the ministries and opportunities that we have here and come alongside of you uh, in your walk with the Lord and help you get acclimated to being a part of our body here at Painesville Assembly of God. And uh, so I want to encourage you to fill that out. You can take it out in the foyer, drop it off at the hospitality desk. That's a great way for us to receive that. We'll give a little gift bag to you before you leave. It has a really cool uh, travel coffee mug there uh, as well. Uh, and if you want to, you can just drop it in the offering if you feel like that's easier. And we'll send you a little gift in the mail again, thanking you for being a part uh, of, of our service here and, uh, and joining us here today. Again, I'll, we welcome all of you. Let me just go through a few announcements today before we get into the word. First is Man to Man. It's happening on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, September 3rd, 6.30 p.m. Going to be down in the youth chapel. want to encourage you to bring a snack to share, come and, and, uh, and be a part of that time where men encourage men and we just have an opportunity to share and fellowship together and, uh, and do that. So I encourage you to be a part of that. Also, if you are newer to Painesville Assembly of God, again, whether it's your first time today, whether you've been coming, I'd love to be able to connect you more to our church body. And so I want to invite you, starting on September 11th, we're kicking off a bunch of new class opportunities. We're going to meet in here for worship at 7 and then break off. One of those classes is called Next. This is the, the first step. If you've been coming and you'd like to get connected, this is really the first step that you take. It's an opportunity to come. I get to meet with you, get to, 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 to share uh, with each other. I'll share a little bit about myself. I get to learn about you. And, uh, and then we just kind of answer some questions and kind of talk about the ministries and vision and things of the church. And so we encourage you to sign up to be a part of that. I'd love to have the opportunity to get to know you and connect with you if you're newer to our church and help you get connected here. Also, we have two classes. Romans is going to be going on. That's going to be happening uh, here in the sanctuary. And then in room B4, after that, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And uh, that's an awesome opportunity to learn more about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And Tom Martino is going to be teaching that class. So we encourage you. We're kicking that off September 11th. And this coming Wednesday, we're finishing up Goliath Must Fall here on Wednesday nights that we have been doing. Also, if you say, well, Wednesday night doesn't work, then we do have an adult uh, Sunday school opportunity for you, an adult uh, time for you to be able to grow Bible study. In fact, they kicked it off this morning uh, called Don't Miss the Last Ship. It's a study on the end times. Happens at 9.30, room B4, Kevin Garland. Uh, join him for this awesome study as they go through end time prophecy and events. How many think that would be interesting to dig into? So if you come an hour earlier, 9.30s, you can catch that uh, in room B4. And then we've got a parenting opportunity if you want to grow as parents. Parents, we're doing this conference, Parenting with Intentionality. Pastor James has been working very hard on this, and you can connect with he or Taylor. If you have questions, uh, it's happening September 21st, 9.30 to 2.30. Dr. Donald Litchie from Emerge Ministries, as well as a bunch of other speakers are coming to do some breakout opportunities as well. It costs only $10, includes a Chick-fil-A lunch. You can go to our website right on the homepage. If you scroll down, you'll find it there, and you can click there to register through Eventbrite for that opportunity, and we encourage you to do that as well. I'm going to invite the ushers to come. While they do, uh, there are other opportunities in your bulletin that are there. I encourage you to take that, read through that. You can check that out also on our app, except our app does not have the insert. So you'll want to make sure you pull those out if you do do the app and maybe put that somewhere so you remember those class opportunities. And again, we thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord and your continued generosity in supporting uh, the ministry here at Painesville Assembly of God. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord's blessing today, and then we're going to get into the word. Father, we thank you. Once again, 
for all of the many miracles, Lord, that you do in our lives every day. We thank you that you are our provider and that, Father, you're the one that, that meets our need. We just pray, Father, that you would just bless this offering and you would use it to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Once again, thank you so much for your faithfulness to the Lord and, uh, and, and thank you for just uh, your support here. And again, we just really appreciate that as well. Well, I want to jump right into the word this morning. We are, uh, we are beginning uh, part four of a series that we're in calling By Faith. We've been looking at one chapter, the chapter of Hebrews chapter 11 here on Sundays. And Hebrews chapter 11 is, an, is filled with illustrations of what it means to live by faith. What does it mean to live our lives by faith? What is faith? And it kind of it has this two-word phrase, by faith, all the way through it, and it's just a, a story after story recounting and illustrating what faith is. And so we've been taking it person by person, and we began with the concept and definition of faith several weeks ago, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So as we've been saying and as we've been sharing, and if you're new to this series, I just want to just touch on this just briefly, that faith is not an emotion. Faith is not just a hope against hope. It's not throwing something to the wind and, and well, I just kinda, I'm just going to kind of hope that that happens. I have faith that that's going to happen. No, faith has something more than that. Faith is based on substance, someone or something. Faith is only as good on the substance of which it is based. And so we as believers in Jesus Christ choose to put our faith in Jesus Christ. He is the substance. We choose to put our faith in the Word of God. The Word of God is our substance. This is what we choose to believe. This is what we choose to lean on. And so that's what faith is. Faith is a faith in the God of the Bible. So far we've looked at two examples. We looked at Abel and Enoch. We said that Abel worshipped by faith. And that is, he offered an offering he did by faith because he believed that by doing so, that would please God. By offering what he offered, what God required, not just anything he wanted to give, but by saying, okay, God, I've been given by your word. It's been revealed to me that this is what you require. And so by faith, I'm trusting that. I'm going to give you what you require. And by doing that by faith, he trusted that, that he would please God. For 11, Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so by, by following what God's word said, he said, I believe God's word. How many of you know faith is taking God at his word? And that's what he did with his offering. He took God at his word. He said, if I give God what he requires, I know that in the, the, the reciprocation of that is going to be that God will be pleased with that offering. That God will accept that offering. Where Cain, his brother, just gave God whatever he wanted. He just came and brought any kind of offering. Here you go, God. Well, you ought to just accept whatever I give you. And then he got mad when it wasn't. When it comes to worship... We can't just come and bring God whatever we want to. God requires our first and our best. This is not a monetary thing. This is not about a, a lot or a little. For the widow that, that gave her last might, the Lord saw her heart and said, whoa, we're going to honor her because she was worshiping from her heart. She was giving me what I require. And when it comes to worship, Paul said in Romans chapter 12 that we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So what are we giving God in worship? Secondly, we talked about Enoch. And last week we looked at Enoch, and Enoch walked by faith. He, he walked with God. Enoch was one who, who, who lived a life where he believed that God was looking for a walking partner, that God wanted a relationship and he began that relationship of walking with God, and God and him walked all the way until he walked him into eternity, and he was no more, Scripture says. He was one of only two that did not see death. Today, we're going to look at Enoch's great-grandson, Noah. Yeah, we're going to talk about the story of Noah. How many of you know there have been a lot of, there have been some movies that, that came out back in 2014. There was a movie by, called Noah. Uh, I'm just going to let you know right up front, if you think that's what the Bible's definition or what the story of Noah is from the Bible, you are messed up. Okay, that, that movie messed you up. 
because that isn't at all the biblical account, and neither is Evan Almighty, okay, if you've seen that with Steve Carell. <laughs> Hilariously funny, but not, not the story, all right, not the story. People twist all kinds, not the story. So today we're going to get into what the real story is. We're going to take a look at the real story of, uh, of Noah. But before we do that, you know, there's a thing that was a spinoff. There was a thing that used to be called everything I, 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 everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. How many of you have seen those lists that come out, everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? There, there's one that I saw as I was researching and, and studying and preparing for this message called Everything I Need to Know I Learned from Noah's Ark. So I just want to share with you some of those things that you learned from Noah's Ark. First, don't miss the boat. <laughs> All right, don't miss the boat. Second, remember that we're all in the same boat. <laughs> Plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. See, there's a lesson. Stay fit. When you're 600 years old, someone may ask you to do something really big, really big. So it's important to stay fit. Don't listen to critics. Uh, just get on with the job that needs to be done. I mean, I think that's a good one. That's a good one. Build your future on high ground. All right. For safety's sake, travel in pairs. That's pretty good. How about this? Speed isn't everything. The snails were on board with the cheetahs. When you're stressed, float a while. I don't know about that. Remember, the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic by professionals. <laughs> and finally, I think this would be a nice encouragement. No matter what storm you're in, when God's in your boat, there's always a rainbow waiting. There we go. Isn't that nice? Oh, that's like one of them Hallmark things. Oh, right? Uh, some good lessons, some good lessons. But you know, when we take a look at this, this, this passage, Noah, we're really talking and we're really seeing as an illustration of faith. We want to we take a look. What was, what was this about Noah? And this is what Hebrews eleven seven says. Just one verse today that, that, that's here, and then we're going to dive into the Old Testament passages. But Hebrews eleven seven, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now, what's the context given for Noah's faith? What, what, what's happening twice here, just in, in Hebrews eleven seven, the words by faith, the title of this series, are used twice, just here in this verse. And so what does it mean by faith? What can we learn from Noah concerning faith? Well, to fully understand, let's go back to Genesis chapter 6. And so that's what we've been building. Abel, we saw Abel right away in, in, in Genesis chapter 3. And then last week, we looked in, in Genesis uh, chapter 4 and 5, and, and, and it was here, chapter 5, we saw about Enoch. And now we're taking a look here uh, in, in Genesis chapter 6, and we come to Noah. And so as you turn to Genesis chapter 6 today, we need to know a little things about what was happening in Noah's day. Noah was the son of Lamech, whose father, as we talked about last week, was Methuselah. Methuselah was the oldest man to ever live. The oldest man, 969 years old, according to the Bible. In fact, as we mentioned last week, Methuselah was the son of Enoch, the man we talked about last week who walked with God. And so Enoch's son was, was Methuselah, and Enoch had given his, his son the name Methuselah, which means it, when he is gone, it will come. When he is gone, it will come. What is it? Well, we know that, that, that this had a direct impact on Enoch's life, as we talked about last week, because it says that when his son Methuselah was born, he walked with God 300 years. He walked with God 300 years. Something had happened. And what was it that happened? Well, if you do the math, as we talked about last week, you saw that Methuselah died the day the flood came to destroy the earth. When he is gone, it will come. What's also interesting to note is that Methuselah's son Lamech died before Methuselah did. And Lamech was Noah's father. So Methuselah was around right up until the time. So the time that Noah was constructing the ark for that period of time of 120 years while he constructed the ark, his grandfather Methuselah was around. Methuselah, whose father was Enoch, who walked with God. Why is that important? Because we'll see in a few moments that Noah learned some lessons from his great-grandfather Enoch. And this is a warning. What happened and what is happening here, the people were being warned of a coming judgment because of their wickedness. Genesis 6, 5 and 6. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination and thought of the human heart was only evil all the time. 
And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. From the beginning, from the, from the very first sin of Adam and Eve to the murder of Cain, of his, his brother Abel, and on and on and on, mankind's heart turned away from God and became sinful, became only evil all the time. The world was corrupt, and as a result, God was grieved. God was grieved that he had even made mankind on the earth. The sin was so great. He grieved mankind. Can you imagine the object of his creation, the one who he had made in his very image, all of a sudden marred by sin? And because of that corruption, God grieved. Sexual immorality abounded as did murder and every other evil act, and it grieved the Lord so much that his only answer was judgment. Genesis 6, 7, so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. How do you know that's bad? Judgment was coming on the wickedness of mankind. But there is a seed of hope that is offered. In the midst of such a depressing opening of Genesis chapter 6, we have this hope in verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The word favor is also the word grace. Favor means grace. So Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord in the midst of a corrupt culture, in the midst of an evil culture that was bent on evil all the time, only evil all the time. There was one man who stood out from the crowd and received grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord, and his name was Noah. Genesis 6-9 describes Noah this way. It says, Noah was a righteous man. First time righteous is ever used to describe anyone so far in the scriptures. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. He walked faithfully with God. This doesn't mean that Noah was perfect. But what it means is that in a culture where the thoughts and the intentions of mankind were only evil all the time, Noah walked differently. Noah stood out. Noah was different from the tide in which moving along the culture where everybody else seemed to drift upon the raft that was moving in the wave of the culture. And this is just the way it is today. This is just the way we need to go. Noah said, no, you know what? I've been walking with God and I'm walking in a different direction. Noah was counterculture. By faith, Noah chose to walk differently than the rest of his culture. And, and, and when it says that Noah walked with God, again, what did he learn? He learned from his grandfather, his great-grandfather, Enoch. And who knows, I didn't do the math to find out if when Noah was born, Enoch had a, a little bit. Enoch was still around, I don't know, but Enoch's son, Methuselah, was there. And he would have testified about his daddy walking with God, testified the fact that his name said that when he died, judgment is coming. Somewhere along the line, something in this generation was passed down that got inside Noah. And when the culture was going one way, Noah was going the other way. Why? Because Noah had faith. Noah had faith in God. So I want to share three steps to working by faith. Because we're going to talk about working, worshiping. We talked about worshiping. We're talking about walking. I want to talk about working. How many of you know we're not saved by our works, right? All right? We're saved by grace. So that's why it says Noah found favor. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When Noah received the grace from the Lord, what did Noah do? What was the grace that Noah found? Well, look at, look at Genesis chapter 6, 11 to 13. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. And so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. You know what this begins with? The, begin, the, the grace and the favor that came upon Noah was the fact that, that God spoke to him. And why did God speak to Noah? And, and not doesn't seem anybody else standing out that God spoke to because Noah was walking with God. If you're not walking with God, you can't hear God. If you're not walking with God, you're not close enough to hear God. Some of you aren't hearing God because you're not walking with God. If we want to hear from God, we walk with God. Noah was walking with God, and therefore he was close enough to the ear of God to hear what God was saying. This world is corrupt. Judgment is coming. I am warning you, Noah. I'm warning you. 
But how many know that faith is more than just about hearing the warnings? There's something that has to be done. What do you do in response to grace? What do you do in response to hearing the word of God? And that's what happens. We see that, that this begins with Noah being spoken to, and Noah is given instructions on how he can avoid the judgment. Genesis 6:14. So make for yourself an ark out of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. And then the next few verses, and I'm not gonna get into all that, but they get into all the detail of how it was supposed to be built, how big it was supposed to be. And so I did a little research to kind of help put it in today's language. What and this is what I found in today's measurements. The ark would be 450 feet long, which would be more than three football fields long. In fact, you want to see a picture of it, go down to Cincinnati, Kentucky area, down there in northern Kentucky, and, and uh, Answers in Genesis and that kind of thing. They've got the Creation Museum. They've got an ark. I've never been there, but I hear it's quite phenomenal. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall, and several, 45 feet tall, which is like several stories tall. How many know it's a huge undertaking? God goes on to tell him more details about it, about the doors, and about how he's supposed to do this. And he says, listen, Noah, you and your family, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and I will spare your lives. That and two of every kind of creature that lived on the earth. Now, if you heard this story before, you know, it's hard to appreciate this kind of message from the Lord and how, uh, how out, just outlandish this was, how... Ooh, how, you know, what God was actually speaking and asking Noah and what for him to do. Saying, hey, judgment is coming, but if you want to be saved, this is what you need to do. And what he needed to do just seemed, I mean, it was a massive undertaking. In fact, all the research that I've done, consistently commentators and theologians agree that at this time when God was saying a flood was coming and warning, there hadn't been even any rain on the earth. Most believe that because of the kind of atmosphere that was created at that time and had not yet been broken down as we have today, it's reason that people live longer, was that there was kind of a greenhouse effect in which waters would simply come up from the ground to water the vegetation and the plants and those kind of things, and that the atmosphere was one that was very conducive, and therefore there was not rain that had even happened on the earth. It was kind of a, a canopy kind of a system of protection, and it's one of the reasons why people were able to live a little bit longer. Additionally to that, that, that the nearest ocean where Noah would have lived would have been miles and miles away. So here's Noah, miles and miles away from any large body of water, and he's asked to build a, a boat that essentially is 450 feet long, three and a half football fields, and 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. And it's like, whoa, God, what are you asking for? And even if Noah did build this massive boat, how in the world was he supposed to get two of every kind of animal on the boat? Even if I do the task and I build, God, how am I supposed to get this? How am I supposed to do this? And then God doesn't give him any details about how long it's going to happen, when the rain's going to come. He doesn't give him any of those details. You don't read any of that in here. All he does is say, listen, judgment is coming. You don't know when. I'm not giving you the day or the hour. I'm not giving you the time. But judgment is coming. But here's the instructions. Here's what you need to do. And yet Genesis 6.22 tells us this. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So you want to know the first step? Here, here's the first step if you want to work by faith. This is the first step. That, that, that faith responds to God's word. That when God tells you something... You believe it, and you do it. When God tells you something, you believe it, and you do it. Why? Because God said so. But it doesn't make sense, but God said so. But that's an awfully big boat, and it's never even rained. I don't, but you said so. I, I don't understand. We, you know, how am I supposed to get all the animals in there? But nevertheless, I'll, I'll obey you because you said so. But it doesn't make sense, but you said so. But you said so. Sometimes we want God to make sense. I'm going to tell you, friends, by and large, God doesn't make sense. He doesn't make sense. 
I mean, if you take a look in Scripture, did it make sense? Was it a good military strategy for Joshua to go and expose the people and the army that he had to march around the city of Jericho and the walls for seven days a week and on the seventh day to march around seven times and then shout? That's how you're going to win the battle. Joshua, you're nuts. You're crazy. Did it make sense for a little shepherd boy by the name of David to go up against a big giant by the name of Goliath with only a sling and some stones? No. Over and over and over and over and over and over throughout Scripture, God constantly asks us to do things that don't make sense. And faith begins when you hear what God says and you respond to what he says. Faith begins with a response to God's word. It's taking God at his word. It's believing and saying, well, hey, God said so. God said so. And God tells Noah, listen, Noah, if you you want to be saved from the coming judgment, then I want you to build an ark. And if you build an ark, that's how you're going to be saved. And it says Noah received favor and grace from the Lord. He was given the warning of what was coming and how he could save his family. And although there was not a raindrop in the sky, and, and, and building a huge boat out far away from the ocean seemed insane, nevertheless, Noah chose to believe God. He chose to believe God. God speaks and promises that he's going to do something in the future. The object of our faith, the substance, is we trust God. And what he says will happen will happen. That God has the power and God is strong enough and God can do what he said he would do. That's what faith is. Faith is to believe God's word is the very essence of receiving the promises that he says we can have. This is what Romans 10, 17 says. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith always begins by hearing God's word. It always begins by hearing, whether you're reading God's word, where you're hearing the preaching of God's word, whether, whether you're, you're, you know, in some way you're hearing, you're in prayer, and God speaks to you, and, I, and it's confirmed in God's word. There, there are ways in which God speaks to us. And the question is, when he speaks to us, are we going to choose to believe what he says? Faith is stirred by the hearing of God's word. And because Noah walked with God, he was close enough to hear from God. There's another story, 1 Kings chapter 17. It's a story about a prophet by the name of Elijah and a widow from Zarephath. There was a drought in the land and and the widow was down to her last handful of flour and only a little bit of olive oil. And she had plans. She was going to bake a little of bread using the last bit of flour, the last bit of oil that she had. She was going to bake some bread, and then she and her son were going to have one last meal, and then they were going to die. This is the situation that Elijah, by the word of the Lord, comes upon this widow. And here she is with just a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. She's going to make one more loaf of bread, have a last meal, and then that's it. And Elijah comes up and says, hey, give me some bread. Whoa, hold on a say. I'm down to my last, brother. That's all I have. All I have is the last little bit of bread. That, that's all I have. And Elijah makes an audacious request. And here it is. 1 Kings 17, 13, and 14. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it. And bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. Afterwards? For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. The jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And so Elijah says, you know what? You think you only have just just enough for one last meal and you want to bake that bread. You know what? Feed me first. And if you will feed me first, if you will give me a little bit, this is what the Lord promises to do. He says, you're not going to lack any flour and you're not going to lack any oil until the drought is done. And essentially what he's saying is, I promise you'll not lack what you need if you, if you will take me at my word. If you'll take the Lord at his word, you will not lack what you need. And, 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 and like Noah, there was no extra oil, there was no extra flour. And, and what she has is what she has, resource-wise. And yet there's a promise that, that God will sustain her through the drought if she will respond obediently and by faith to the word of the Lord. Yet there is nothing that gives any evidence that it would be. And yet, nevertheless, what we see from this woman is, is that she did what Elijah had asked. 
1 Kings 17, 15 and 16, she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days, and the jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word the Lord had spoken by Elijah. How did she receive the promise? Because she saw that it was coming? Because she had any inkling? No, faith is in what is unseen. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. It was yet unseen, yet by faith she chose to act and take God at his word, do what God said, and it was by doing what God said that she received his promises. We don't receive the promises of God when we don't do what God says. Some of us want to receive the promises of God without being obedient to what God's word says. Like Abel or like Cain, we want to bring to God whatever we want to bring to God, but we want to do it our way, and yet at the same time, we expect to receive the promises. And when we don't, like Cain, we get angry at God. We shake our fists at God. Why? Why is this? Why is that? Why didn't this? Did you do what God said? You claim to have faith, but did you take God at his word and do what he said? See, that's what the widow did. That's what Noah did. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And when he did that, later we see that he received the salvation for he and his family that God had promised. But it begins by responding to God's word. Second, it's not only motivated by hearing God's word, but it has to be internalized. It has to be motivated by an internal conviction by our, our worship. Hebrews eleven seven in reverent fear, there's a reverence here, is a worship word. In reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Because Noah had walked with God, he learned, he learned who God was and he learned how to honor God as God. People talk about the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being afraid of God. What we're talking about is respecting and honoring God for who God is. That God is a holy God. That God is the creator. That God is the one who, who holds the very earth and the foundations in his hands. We honor God as God. We choose to honor him for who he is. Noah walked with God. He was a, a friend of God and yet he had a reverent fear of the Lord. He honored God and honored the position God was in. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's how the Lord's prayer starts. That's how prayer ought to start, is by first in reverence, acknowledging and honoring and worship, giving the right place to God. Hallowed be thy name. Noah had a respect and a deep trust for who God was, and it began to put inside of him an inner conviction. So it moved from his ears and into his heart. And, 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 and what we see going back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Conviction of things not seen. And, and there was nothing before Noah that would indicate a flood was coming. In fact, for 120 years, Noah built and Noah worked on the ark. Again, massive boat, nowhere near the ocean, not a drop in the sky. And yet there was a serious cost to this project that God asked Noah to undertake. Those of you who are builders can appreciate this. To build something that large, today we've got all kinds of things that can help. We've got cranes and we've got chainsaws and power tools and, and, and we've got all kinds of things that, that would do it. We have things that can move beams in place and hold things up. Noah didn't have any of that. God, how am I going to have the strength? I am 600 years old, 500 years old. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Right? Yet 120 years, 1,440 months of blisters and backaches, 43,200 days of labor Noah built on. In fact, for 120 years, Noah built and worked on the ark, this massive boat, again, nowhere near the ocean, no power tools, Noah worked. It would be like us finishing a project here in 2019 that was started in 1899, just to give you perspective. After all the intent, the human heart was only in evil all the time. I'm sure that people came by and told Noah and his culture, Noah, you're a crazy man. Noah, you said this is coming, and where is it? Where is it? You've been saying judgment is coming for a while. You've been telling, I have heard your stories from a little boy, and it still hasn't come. 
I've been told about this judgment. I've told about God going to do this. And here you are working away, and there is not a cloud in the sky. Noah, look up. There's not even a cloud in the sky. Noah, do you see any place where you can even launch this thing? Noah, what are you doing? Noah, you are nuts. Why are you doing that? Why would you stick to something for 120 years, working as hard as Noah did? Why would you do that? Because you have internalized faith. Because faith is not just something that you hear, but it's something that you internalize on the inside. The only reason that oftentimes we don't obey on the outside is because we truly haven't internalized it on the inside. We might have a little something we memorized in Sunday school in our head. We might have heard some things about the promises of God in our ears that sounded good. But until you internalize it, it won't come out in your actions. When the moment trouble comes, the moment something takes longer than it should, you're ready to give up. But when you have an internal conviction on the inside, you don't give up. You do whatever it takes. In Mark chapter 2, we're told four men who carried a paralyzed friend to Jesus for healing. New Testament example, Mark 2, 4, and 5, since they could not get him, get, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the, man, uh, lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw there, look at the word, faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. When these men showed up, there was a large crowd, and they couldn't get to Jesus. Many people would have been, well, <laughs> sorry, buddy. We just can't get you there. I don't know. We can't get in. It must not be your day. It must not be your time. We just, we can't get, we can't get you there. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe another time. But no, these guys loved their brother. And they had faith to know that if they could just get him to Jesus, he would be healed. Well, how are we going to do that? There was an inner conviction. That inner conviction that if they just got him to Jesus, drove them to say, you know what? We've got to do something a little different. Let's go up to the roof. Let's dig through the roof a little bit. Let's get lower this man. Let's get him down to Jesus because if he gets to Jesus, he'll be healed. If he gets to Jesus, he'll be healed. And it was a conviction inside that drove them past. Friends, faith has to move from our ears into our heart. It's got to move from the outside and get on the inside of us. And it doesn't mean that, that we see the miracle of the answer right away. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we receive the promises immediately. Sometimes we have to wait like Noah. We've got to work days. We've got to work years before we see the promise that is fulfilled. Another reason I know that Noah internalized the message was because of something that Peter wrote in his letter. Peter calls Noah in 2 Peter 2.5 a preacher of righteousness. Not only was Noah working on the ark, but he began to tell others the day that judgment was coming. He had an internal conviction that resulted in warning others. And how do I know about this internal conviction? Because Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Speaks what's in your heart. Speak what you're passionate about. You share about what you're passionate about. And faith begins when we hear the word of God. And it is lived out when it takes root in our hearts. We need to make sure that faith moves beyond our ears and into our heart. And when it becomes a conviction where our worship and our walk lead us to know God in such intimate ways that we trust him even when we can't see. And year after year, Noah kept on building because he internalized what he knew about God. The conviction of things unseen. A conviction that one day what God said would happen would. Thirdly, faith is demonstrated by our works. We are told that Noah prepared an ark. The life of faith involves not only the hearing, not only the inward conviction, but must be seen through the external working of our lives. It's not just an internal response, it's an external response. And Noah, Noah heard the warning of God and the instructions that would lead to salvation. He heard the warning from God and he responded in faith. He internalized that faith in his worship and respect for God. And that internal conviction was demonstrated by his work, his actions, and his obedience. James, the brother of Jesus, asked a great question concerning faith in his letter. James writes this, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Taking the example of Noah, let's walk through it together. If he, had worked to build, if he hadn't worked to build the ark, perhaps Noah, God said, hey, Noah, the floodwaters are coming. The floodwaters are coming, and, 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 and you know what? You've got to build an ark. But say Noah didn't build an ark, then he would have drowned like everyone else. 
His faith would have been incomplete because it would have stopped with the hearing of God's warnings and instructions without building the ark. He could have said all day long, yep, you know what? God said judgment is coming. I'm going to walk around and tell other people, you know what? Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. You know what? God said it. I believe it. Judgment is coming. And not build an ark. God said build the ark. He's going around. God, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But he didn't build the ark. What would have happened if there was no ark? What would have happened to Noah and his family? You can, you can talk about it all you want. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, but are you preparing an ark? Is it working out? Are you working out your faith? Fear and trembling, as Scripture says. Would just the declarations of faith be enough? No, the declarations of faith are not enough. That's what James says. He says, someone says they have faith but does not have works. There's no works coming from their life. But I believe, I believe, I believe. You're simply religious. A lot of religious people going to hell. Can that faith save him? Absolutely not. It's not enough to talk about what we believe. It's not enough to amen a sermon. If we do nothing of action, then we'll miss out on the salvation and the promise that is offered. Noah's faith was seen by the actions that he took. Here, here's the end of Hebrews eleven seven. The second half, by his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. You say, condemned. Man, that word's ominous. This condemned. What in the world? The people in Noah's day didn't believe him. Nor did they heed the warnings. For 120 years, there was a huge reminder as Noah began to construct this huge ark for 120 years. Here is a reminder over and over again. See in Noah's word, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. Right there before them, you couldn't walk by without seeing it. And there it was every day, judgment is coming. And yet, they chose to ignore it. They chose to ignore it. Hey, Noah, what are you building? I'm building an ark. <laughs> There's not even any raindrops or a sea around. Noah, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? Well, because God said the wickedness and the sinfulness of this generation, he can't put up any longer. He said a flood is coming, and the ark is the only way to be saved is to be on the boat. No, come on. Yeah, God's going to destroy it. No, it's not even. Noah, you're crazy. Noah, you're crazy. Day by day by day by day by day. Come on, why don't you join me? Help me work on the ark. Come on, get in the ark. Noah, you're a crazy old man. But it was the ark and Noah's obedience to faith that were a daily reminder that God was warning the people and showing them the way to salvation. And yet Noah, no one but Noah and his family chose to believe. Therefore, the people there were condemned when the time of judgment came. There are a lot of religious people who say, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the Bible, I believe in God's word, yet the outward fruit of their life would say something different. Noah walked counter to his culture. Noah didn't get swept up and live along with his culture and say, but I trust Jesus anyway, but I trust Jesus anyway. No, Noah was a righteous man. Noah was blameless in his ways. Friends, when Jesus Christ, when we receive salvation through Jesus Christ, we ought to be changed. Our culture is going against the word of God. And too many people who claim to be believers aren't any different than those who claim not to be. If I followed your life around, if I watched, if I listened, would what you sing on Sunday be the testimony of your life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Or is it only good on Sunday? What are you building? Where is your faith? Is it a talking faith? Is it a listening faith? Or is it a working faith? Well, that's a hard message. But here's what Jesus said, Matthew 24, 36 to 39. But concerning that day, and now where no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of Man, but the Father only. For as it were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, 
and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Noah. I've got lots of time. Do you? No man knows the day or the hour. I've got lots of time. I just, I just want to live my life right now. I'm young. That's what young people do. You know what? I'm not there yet. I'm getting older, but you know what? I got many years to live. Do you? Do you? I'll do it next year. I'll do it next month. I'll get right with God next time. Noah, Noah built an ark, warned for 120 years. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus is the picture of salvation, the picture of the ark. The question is, what do you really believe? Don't tell me what you know. Don't recite to me what you learned in Sunday school. Don't recite to me the little verses you learned and memorized and quoted. Those are good things, and I'm not discounting that. But if your life is not changing because of your walk with God, if you are not living what God's Word says, then you need to repent. Today is the day of salvation. We don't know the day or the hour. And as it was in the days of Noah... People going along with the cultural norms, swept up in judgment. But what did Noah do? Noah prepared an ark. And God told him on the inside and the outside to use pitch. The word pitch is also the same word used for atonement. Salvation comes when we choose to believe Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and salvation. And when we begin to walk with Jesus, faith then is translated into obedience in every other area of our lives. We hear the word of God and we respond to it. We internalize it. It becomes an internal conviction that then expresses itself in the outward actions of our life. And if it's not expressing itself in the outward actions of our life, then we need to check the inward conviction and whether we really truly believe what God says. Do we believe what God says? Do you believe the word of God? I want to close with the reward of faith. Because Noah responded to the word of God and internalized that word through worship and the work of his life, his entire family was saved. His sons got on the ark with him. His, 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 the wives of his sons, his daughter-in-laws got on the ark with him. Noah's wife got on the ark with him. In other words, Noah lived in such a way that not only did he believe it, but the conviction that he had and the way he lived caused his family to also say, you know what, I trust my dad. I trust my husband. Men, are you living in such a way that the conviction of your life is one that your family looks and says, you know what, I want to believe because I see it in dad's life. I know we've got some single moms. So moms, you know what, I see the faith of my mom. How many have been saved because your mom never stopped praying for you? Your mama never stopped praying for you. Your mama never stopped praying. And maybe got along, but you look back and you go, man, my mama never stopped praying. We got to internalize the word of God. It's got to become a, it can't just be something that we talk. It's got to be something that we live that is based on an internal conviction. There was a generational pass down. And because Noah took those steps and he said, God said, judgment is coming. And he said, this is the way to salvation. I'm walking in it. And because he chose to walk in it, his family was saved. And he received the promised reward that God said, I'll make a covenant with you. Noah stood against his culture. Jesus is coming again. Judgment is coming. We don't like to hear that. Oh, pastor, we want to hear the good messages. Don't talk about that hellfire and brimstone stuff. I got to tell you, that's in the word of God too. And where would I be if I didn't warn you? The judgment is coming. What are you doing to prepare your heart so that you can obtain the promises 
of God. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity today, whether it's for the first time or whether you have, you have maybe made a confession of faith before, but you say, you know, well, I haven't been living it. I, I, maybe I did that. I said a prayer once, but I never followed through. I never walked it out. So today, whether it's your first time or whether you just are feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you say, you know what, I, I need to place my faith in Jesus. I, I need salvation. I, I need to place my faith in Jesus today. I, I want to ask you to respond by slipping up your hand today, indicating I want to place my faith in Jesus today. I need salvation. I want to place my faith in Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Come on. If that's you, let's pray. Will you pray with us today? Come on, let's just ask Jesus right now. Let's just place our faith in Jesus right now. And this is not a magical prayer, but it's just to walk you through a confession of faith in Jesus. Will you pray with me today? Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you have spoken to me and given me your grace. I invite you today to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me today by your blood. I place my faith in you for salvation. I choose to trust you. Change me and help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we just rejoice this morning, friends? Thank you, Jesus. 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 We're just going to close. Again, we're going to close with worship. I want to ask you to stand. If you need prayer today, we're going to have people up here that will pray with you. If you want to spend some time with the Lord, just on your own. I know this is a heavy message today. Maybe there's some business you got to do. The Holy Spirit's just convicting you of some things. There's some things that you just need to work on with God. I want to invite you to come and kneel down. Will you come and just spend some time in prayer today? Will you come and let's just, let's just spend some time allowing the message to sink into our hearts today. Come on. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.